Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Grill the Pastor with Pastor J Mud from uh, Village Point Church. <laughs> That's right. You got it. Did I get it right? You got it. You okay. got it right. Today's a new approach on Grill the Pastor. Today is Grill the Pastor Speed Edition. And we have this trusty hourglass, and you're going to have till the end of the hourglass to answer whatever questions we throw at you. And Jay has no idea what, what he's... No, no idea what questions you got for yeah, me Yeah, no idea. We had a little mic issue today, so Jay has an interesting uh, mic he'll be using. It's, Wanda. yeah, it's a little bit wandish. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you ready for your first question? Let's do it. Jesus came along in some of the stories in the Bible, and there's times where he, in the eyes of the religious leaders, were breaking the law. So I know that I understand that he came to fulfill the law, but there were times where he broke rules. So how was that okay for him to come and do that? Right. And so, yes. All right. I think one of the things you have to understand is Jesus often had um, issues with the religious leaders and how they upheld the law. Uh, many times they were doing it in a legalistic type standard. They were they were taking it to a point where it was just unhealthy. Uh, for example, there's times where Jesus would heal on the Sabbath, and he would even ask the question, is it better for this man to not to be healed just because of this silly rule, or is it is it okay to do this? What Jesus meant by saying that he came to not uh, abolish the law, but to fulfill the law is it, it, the law is fulfilled through what he accomplished and what he did. There's, there's, there's no longer. So the law was the, the, the Ten Commandments and the things that were put in place that we see in the Old Testament. And uh, truth, truth be told, no one can uphold those laws and those standards properly. No one. Right. Absolutely no one. Right. You and me. Because it was like crazy, crazy well, it's, stuff. Well, it's, right? it's impossible. Like, Think about the Ten Commandments alone. Yeah. Right. You cannot uphold the Ten Commandments uh, just by nature of, Perfectly. of your life. You yep. can't do it. Right. No one can. I can't. There's not a pastor that is sitting in the seat that can do that. Therefore, Jesus came to do what no one else could do, and he came to provide a way to where even though we, we fall short, because of what he's done and what he's accomplished um, uh, before God's eyes, um, we're perfect, we're clean. Because of what he's done, only right. through what he's done. Through his so, grace. Through his grace, through his grace, through his mercy, through his ultimate sacrifice. This is what the gospel, you know, the good news of the Bible is, is what Jesus has done on our behalf. Right. Wow. You're, you're halfway through, man. That was good. Well, there you go. All Not right. too bad. There you cool. go. All does right, that start over every good, time now? It does, yeah. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. All right, this is more of an opinion kind of thing. Actually, how this works is when I flip it back around, you have that much time. That's fine. Let's go. Time. Let's keep okay. going. Ready? I kill it. All right. Some... <laughs> Thou shalt not kill, I know. Pastor That's right. J. Thou shalt not murder. <laughs> not what I intended by killing. All right. I'm a single guy. Sometimes I go on dating apps, and I'll see a lot of these profiles, and uh, there'll be Christian women on the apps, and they say, you know, I'm a... I'm a God-fearing woman looking for a God-fearing man. And I want to know if you can help me make sense of this. Why does the term God-fearing feel so icky to me? Like, I get it. You know, God has, is so wrathful. But why is it okay to live in fear? Oh, this is a good one that might actually take the time. Okay. Um, there is a righteous type of fear, a godly fear that the Bible talks about. And um, it, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a holy type of fear in this sense of that God is so perfect, God is so holy, God is so 
righteous that I wouldn't dare want to be outside of the realm of where he wants me to be inside his will. I want to be right in the center of his will. Think about it this way. I'll use an illustration. Think about a hurricane. We both currently live in the state of Florida. Hurricanes are a real deal. Uh, people know what a hurricane. You ever seen a hurricane on a map? All right, you have the the swirly, yeah, the, the swirly, swirly, right? Um, do you know the calmest part of a hurricane? The, the eye, yeah. right in the middle, right okay. in the center of the storm okay. is the calmest, most peaceful. I've actually been in a hurricane where the eye goes over and it's like, whoa. Right? But right outside of the eye is actually the most dangerous part of the storm. Okay. Right? It's the most serious part, right? That, that eye wall got your is, is the most serious part. So that being said, yeah. what the holy fears is that I would I I am so in awe of who God is, so in love with what God has done and accomplished in my life that I wouldn't dare move from the center of his will of where he wants me to be because hmm tiptoeing and trying to walk with one foot in and one foot out is one of the scariest places to be because you're so it's not it's not like fear uh cortisol and adrenaline are being released and correct it's a different kind it's a, of it's a calmness it's a peace that i wouldn't dare move from the center of where god wants me to be right because um i know outside of being next to him as close to him as intimate with him as possible it's dangerous in the Bible, it talks about speaking in tongues. Ooh. Speaking in tongues, when I was reading it, just to me meant different languages. Right. Not necessarily unknown languages. Where did this idea of unknown languages come from? Is that actually what the Bible means, do you think? So, I'm curious to know what you think. This is a great question as well. One that um, I often get uh, posed with is the idea of speaking in tongues. I will tell you, I've never spoken in tongues. I would, I would love to. It's a, it's a gift that we see in the Bible. Um, but let's, let's travel back to where we see tongues first start and come on the scene. It's in the book of Acts during the day of Pentecost. Is the disciples are there, and we're told very clearly that people from every nation were there. When the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, they began to speak, and everyone heard in their own tongue. So to your point, it is an idea that speaking in tongues is a different language. Now, there is also this utterance that um, uh, people will reference that we see in the scripture, an utterance that, um, you know, is, is between you and God. And many right. people will talk about this idea of a, a prayer language that they have in their prayer, their prayer time. They'll, they'll speak. I was with a gentleman the other day where he said, I, I began to speak. And, it, I, and he's like, I was, I was fearful to say this to you because I don't want you to judge me. I'm like, I'm not going to judge you. Uh, you know I don't judge people, but it's this idea that he's beginning to speak in a language that maybe it was something that was God was doing. But I'll tell you this: uh, the Bible is very clear about speaking in tongues, and there are there is a, you know even Paul was talked about this idea that when you speak in tongues, there should be interpretation. If there's not interpretation, you should actually not speak in tongues. In right. In addition to that, we must look at the book of Acts where we see tongues very prominent coming out. And that's where many people will reference the book of Acts. The book of Acts is very descriptive, but not prescriptive, which means it's descriptive of events that took place, but it's not prescriptive of the way it should always take place. So just because a church does not speak in tongues, just because a person does not speak in tongues does not mean okay. that they don't have faith. They are not a believer or uh, any of those things. Okay. Can you speak in tongues? For me? I cannot. Come on, just, just uh, try it. Just I, no, I can't do it. I, I'm telling you, I can't do it. I, I, <laughs> look at him trying to get me on the camera, speaking in tongues. Look at him. <laughs> you already started the question. The time, right, no, no question. Right, we'll go back. 
I'll give you a little. I will cheat a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Thou shall not cheat. Thou shall like and subscribe to this channel, though. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> All right. According to the Bible, um, and from what I've gathered so far, God knows all. He knows the end and the beginning, the beginning and the end of everything that he's planned. Why then did he plant the tree of knowledge knowing that we would eat from it? We could sit here all day long and I can't tell you I know the answer to that question. Because um, I don't know, I can't tell you I know the answer to that question, but here's what I will say is what you said is correct, that God knows the past, the present, and the future. Um, I also do not um, truly believe that God wants to force you to, to, to love Him and care for Him and you know, want to obey Him. Um, we can get but we into, have free will. You can get into the theological differences. Now you're going to get into something that's a controversial topic of you know whether or not we have free will or we don't have free will. If, uh, you know everything, every single person from the very beginning of their uh, conception is you know God knows everything they're going to. And I do believe God knows because God does know. It's impossible for me to say on one hand that God knows the past, present, and the future, but God does not know what decisions you're going to make in the future. Um, but that does that is where it gets tricky is mm -hmm. why was that tree even mm -hmm. there? Was it to test us? Was it to test so is us? Is this whole thing a big test? I, I don't... To see if we'll choose to believe in God. I do know that um, God wants us and desires a relationship with us. Um, Adam and Eve, what we're told in Scripture is they chose to disobey God's one, the design of what God designed for them in the garden. And that's what led to the, the downfall that we see of the human race, even today, the disease called the sin nature. Right. If God chose to sacrifice his only son to save the world, summarizing, and Jesus, Jesus is God, then didn't he sacrifice himself? <laughs> so in a sense, yes, that's, that's, what you're, that's what you're saying. Jesus is fully God. But Jesus was also fully man, which is one of those mind-boggling things that where he can be fully God and fully right, man right. all at one time. That's what you see is you see God coming into the flesh. And a lot of that is taken into perspective of, of how Jesus was, uh, was, was, you know, was, was um, conceived in Mary's womb. There was no male. There was no father figure uh, that made that happen. You know, today it right. takes man and woman. This was just God doing what he does. He planted Jesus there. This was God taking on the flesh. He was fully God from the yeah. very beginning and fully man from the very beginning. And the fact that he went and he and he lived and in the flesh in a perfect way, make no mistake, you will not find it in scripture, you will not find it anywhere. Jesus was 100% sinless, never ever right. uh, you know, sinned in his life. And because of that, he became the perfect sacrifice. The right. wages of sin is death, so the cost of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through the work of what Jesus has done. And because of Jesus' perfect perfection, he was able to, it's a symbolism of the Old Testament. When we had, in the Old Testament, you had sacrifices. Animal sacrifice. Correct, it was the, the, the lamb without blemish. The best lamb. Right, without blemish. Yes. That would go and be sacrificed, and that right. blood would be taken into the holies of holies, and we can go into detail what that was like. But this is the symbolism. This is what Jesus did, yes. because mankind, get this, mankind is very creative. We like to um, ask for forgiveness and then run back to exactly what we were doing. And God was like, "Wait a minute, 
you're not really serious about what you're doing. So therefore, those animal sacrifices are no longer worthy mm. uh, of this. And so I've got to take care of this on my, my own through the work of what I'm going to send with Jesus. There's a, there's a guy on YouTube. I follow him. He's great. He evangelizes and hits the streets and not talks good. to people. Um, and he tends to, it, it, it sounds like the way that I've at least uh, interpreted what he says is that like, it almost feels like he's saying God is almost your enemy because he wants to, he, he, God tends to give you his wrath because of the, the sins that we, we yeah. commit. But Jesus came to save us. Right. Is God like this loving but angry father? Like it's, it's yeah. hard to, to understand when you hear this stuff. Right, and so I think I think this is really a, a great, great question because on one hand you do have the wrath of God that is real, and you do have the love and the mercy of God which is real. Um, I know there are people who see God as this angry individual who you do wrong so you deserve, um, and, and and we have to understand is that God's not out to get you. God is not against you. God is actually for you. Um, what we have to understand though is um, I mentioned earlier. Um, Romans talks about the wages of sin. It's the wages of the cost. Yeah. The cost of our sin is is death. It's a separation from God. And that's the wrath that we're talking about here is um, the, the consequences of not being with your heavenly father, in a, spending eternal life with him. There's separation. That took place in the garden because of that tree. Um, it was there, right? So I don't believe it's that God is against you. And I know it's not that God is against you. It is that God is for you, that God loves you and cares about you. In fact, we see all throughout scripture, symbolism and Jesus showing us that he is pursuing us, wanting us to have the freedom from these things that hold us captive. Um, but make no mistake, there is this double, you know, there's two sides to this, that those who are unwilling to surrender their life and to, to live for God and to follow God with their life, there is wrath. All right, how do you feel? Do you feel drained like this hourglass? No. No, you're, re you're still ready to I go. I get excited about this yeah, stuff. Okay, yeah. cool. Fun times. Cool. All right, well, you survived. Grow the Pastor Speed Edition. Thank you guys for joining us this time. We will see you on the next episode and many other various videos on this channel. Please like and subscribe. It helps us keep the lights on. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, thank you.